you're about to listen to Brittle Star's Really Great Podcast. The Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. It's a it's kind of a misnomer because there's no actual club to join. They just they make like they they make coffee. There's no club. So don't don't get your hopes up. They make delicious compostable coffee pods that you can find at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. And they're Canadian too, eh? If you're not into coffee, sorry. Hey there, it's Brittle Star here. Um, good to see you again. Well, I can't see you. I, honestly, I, pr- I promise you I can't see you. But I can, I can tell you're listening. Um, but it's good to have you back. Thanks for hanging out and, uh, and joining us for another episode of Brittle Star's really great podcast. And uh, yeah, things are going all right. Things are going pretty good. And I just wanted to talk briefly about, uh, about clutter and what it does to your head. <laughs> I I was uh, I I can't do well. I don't rather I don't do well with clutter. I, I it messes up. I remember it messes up my mind. I remember when I was nineteen and I worked in a record store, and uh, I worked in a lot of record stores in my young adult life. But I was nineteen. I worked in a record store, A and A Records, in the old Stratford Mall here in Stratford, Ontario area, and. Uh, it was, I liked the job. It was good. I mean, you get to play music all day, sell music. That's pretty cool. But um, I worked with this guy, this young guy. He was like 16 at the time. And I remember him saying to me, we were talking about how I'd, I'd cleaned up my room or something like that. And I, how I seemed to, I think I felt better afterwards. And he's like, well, yeah, because cluttered room, cluttered mind. And I know that's been said like by a lot of different people, but that was the first time I'd heard it. I was like, hmm. Young Jay Shane, that's his name. I think he's a firefighter now. Young Jay Shane, you are wiser beyond your years. And it's true. And I, I mean, I, it's easy to get let things pile up and it's easy to let things, uh, you know, build up and, and you don't know what to do with them. So you end up keeping stuff you don't really need to keep and all that kind of stuff. And you end up with all this clutter. And it really freaks me out. I can't do it. I have a little system on my desk and uh, the, there's like a little shelf type unit. And the bottom little nook in the shelf unit thingy, little cabinet cupboard type thing, uh, is just for like expense receipts and like bills and all that kind of stuff. So anything that needs to be dealt with is in that bottom thing. Plus a note from Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's true. There's a, there's one note from Ryan Reynolds in there. I don't know where to put it. So it's just staying down there with the must be dealt with immediately. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it doesn't matter. Um, and, uh, so I, I have this system and then when that starts to fill up and when I start to like, it gets, you know, you're putting like receipts in there and those like stupid thermal receipts. And when I start to put the thermal receipts and it's getting hard, they're kind of, they're bulking out in the front. I, start, I, I don't even think about it, but then it's like, I go through my day and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm stressed out. Why am I stressed out? And I sit down on my desk. Oh, I'm stressed out. I'm stressed. And I think, and then I clear it out. I go through the expenses. I pay the bills or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. Now it's clear. Now that the, the little nook is, is clear, except for the note from Ryan Reynolds, which keeps me calm. I don't, I don't, it's the special power that Ryan has. But it's a really good lesson for us to, uh, to know that, uh, you know, we shouldn't let things build up and clutter because then they just, they seem bigger than they are and they seem like harder to deal with. 
But if you just knock away and chip away at them as they come in or as you can in smaller chunks and never let them sort of clutter and build, you never have to face those mountains of ickiness again. You know what I mean? Anyway, it was just based on some experience sort of tidying up recently, and uh, it reminded me that I, I don't like clutter, but I'm prone to clutter, but I don't like it, and I know it's not good for me. But that's another, that's another conversation. Today's episode is going to be pretty fantastic. Um, the guest today is someone who I have been super excited to chat with for a long time, and uh, uh, but we've been following each other for a while. Um, they're very, very funny, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy today's conversation. It's uh, they're they're an absolute hoot. I don't think that they're, this guest is from the UK. I don't think they use the word hoot over there in that context, but then maybe this is a first. Anyway, today we're talking to... I'm Suze Kempner. I'm a comedian, writer, singer, and Twitter person. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> I think it's funny. Does I think that well, work? You know, that's great. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I'm so excited that you're here. And it's, <laughs> it's funny because, you know... Adding Twitter person to the end is, I mean, that would have been a bit of a, like, a, yeah, whatever. Like, but now it's a real thing. I mean, you are, you're killing it on Twitter. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, I'm certainly, there's certainly quantity. There may mm-hmm. not be quality, but there is quantity. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I found really interesting about you, and I think I've been following you since well before the pandemic as well. Um, but you are like, to me, you are a mm, classic performer, if I want to say that. I'm not saying classical performer, which you may be as well, but I'm saying like a classic, no. like you're an entertainer. Like you, you can, you can tell jokes, <laughs> you can sing, you can, I'm guessing you can dance. I've, I've never seen it, but I'm guessing you can dance. Can you? The dancing's not so good. No? No, the dancing's the weak point. I mean, I'm one of those people, I'm good, pretty good dancer for a comedian, bad dancer for a dancer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I trained in, I trained in musical theatre and, um, it was always, oh, yeah, she's an actor-singer who moves. <laughs> she's not triple threat. <laughs> so when you, but when you started, like, performing, because like, you've been singing since you were a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I mean, you've kind of had this, this whole, I'm excited to have you here because uh, I feel like uh, there's this divide between, this is a tangent, but there's a bit of a divide between, um British audiences and American audiences and Canadian audiences further onto that as well, mm-hmm. which I'm in Canada, you're in, in, in England. Um, and yeah. uh, it's, it's funny because I think, you know, you and I both being Twitter people um, to an extent, I think that one of the things I've noticed is that it's really hard for me to get any traction with people in the UK. Do you find the same thing when like, like you post stuff and you're like, ah, no one's getting this in Houston or something? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- I'd say my main main bulk of my following is people in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've got some Canadian comedians that I've known through Twitter for years, right? But I guess they're the only reason why my stuff would get seen by Canada. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not the only reason. I mean, it's funny and it's entertaining and it's really good. I'm just gonna hold this whole conversation is going to be me pepping you up. That's it. It's just going to be like, come on, let's go. You're amazing. You've met the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> we like, I made a thing. It's really shit. 
<laughs> but I think it's interesting because you like there is like a massive difference between uh, you know British humor slash culture and then Canadian culture and American culture. Like there's a very very big difference. Like there's that like Americans are just really not very good. They're getting better, but they're not really good at self-deprecating humor. Yeah, I see this. Um, it's always like a huge deal when some late night host says something about being a loser or something. It's mm-hmm. always like re- people react like, he went there. Whereas that's kind of like, <laughs> that's part of conversation. <laughs> if you're a British comic, you're like, hey, so I fucked everything up and here are my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember, you know, uh, there was like some clip of watching uh, Stephen Fry trying to describe the difference between American humor and and, uh, and British humor. And I really, want, I have to, as a mm-hmm. Canadian, I have to kind of like, there's a difference between Canadian humor and British humor. I sort of feel like we're the bridge between the two. Like the Canadian humor is kind of like, we can, you know, we can make fun of ourselves. Yeah, it does seem like that. And I remember Stephen Fry saying something about how, uh, you know, British humor, they are the loser in the sketch. They are the loser in the story, the setup. And the American humor is more about making fun of the loser in the sketch. and sort of like the cool guy who makes fun of Yeah, that's true. Yeah, never never more clear than in the, they made a Red Dwarf pilot mm-hmm. uh, in the US way back, like early 90s. Um, and Red Dwarf was one of the most successful sitcoms in Britain at that point and so of course America were like we'll do our own and they made the Lister character the Craig Charles character who's the main guy Mm. they made him this really handsome (laughs) lazy guy but he was he looked like a movie star and it just didn't work like it's all the same lines as in the British one and then you watch it and you go well that guy's not a loser like no one's gonna break up with him (laughs) he can get by on his looks What's interesting is that, that I mean that's sort of like America's MO when they when they redo uh, British shows. I mean, I, I, did you ever see the the Joel McHale uh, IT crowd? No. It is a travesty. It is cuz they've got um uh Richard Ide and um Oh, Chris O'Dowd. Oh, they Yeah, they, and they replaced Chris O'Dowd with Joel McHale and it's it's really oh, awful see. like it's 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 for the exact mm. same reasons and that like you know Chris O'Dowd's a cool guy and i like him a lot but you look at him and you feel some affinity with him you yeah. sort of look at the guy as character in the IT crowd and you're like <laughs> yeah i think you know he's fairly good looking but he's not really good looking like he's kind of attainable good looking mm-hmm. And then you stick Joel McHale in there and you're like, yeah. nah, he's just too good looking man he's just this isn't going to work he's not going to work in a basement office yeah. that doesn't work at all and I don't know what it is about that, but I mean, what's interesting as well is that I find, like I lived for a year in Scotland and I, and I worked for Virgin, uh, a Virgin megastore as a buyer. Mm-hmm. And um, I found there was this weird, uh, and you can tell me if this is wrong or not. This is, we're, this is like a very serious, we're going into a cast conversation now, C-A-S-T-E conversation. <laughs> um, but there's this very weird sort of like, class structure don't reach above don't stick your head up too high is that still persistent in in britain oh definitely there's definitely still um your certainly in comedy like being middle class or working class is a very big thing and it seems to be something a lot of people would talk about in their act even though both of those terms are they can they can mean such a broad range of things like there's no such thing as 
what a middle class person is like and what their upbringing is like in the same way there's no such thing as what a working class person what their upbringing is like for example i'm middle class but we didn't grow up with money. It just happened. My parents bought a house in the early 80s. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that's all it takes is owning a house? the equivalent of about... Pretty much, yeah. If your parents owned a house, um, then you can't really be working class. But again, there's so much more sure. to it than that. But middle class can also mean you went to private school and your parents have multiple homes and... Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing, but I think what being middle class versus working class gives you in this country, certainly certainly in comedy, is the middle classes have always sort of been told you will succeed and you can succeed, whereas the working class has been told here's your place and you. That's must stay so there. weird. I mean, that's horrible. And it's interesting seeing the fight against both. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. It's very un. It's a very unspoken thing. Does it affect you like as a performer because you're very much a. Uh, even though you're, I mean, I guess like all entertainers and performers are are, are hard scrabble, like they they work hard, they hustle, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, do you find that that like you're you're up like if you try a little too hard, people are like who does she think she is? <laughs> well, yeah, because you got the added. I've got the added thing of like also I am a woman, so it's right. more fair game on Twitter. Ugh. And I mean, I should also add, I'm a cis het white woman so i basically won the lottery but um it's it's funny there's uh, a few comics who've gone pretty like big viral under lockdown and mm-hmm. like, got a lot more of a following during lockdown through twitter and twitch and other um online platforms like that um and there's a guy called alistair beckett king who's mm-hmm. blown up under lockdown he's a friend of mine and he said yeah i just haven't i just don't seem to get the same sort of abuse that women get even though He's gone, you know, he's got the same sort of, size, sort of size following as I do. Yeah. He can say stuff and there won't be that much dissension. Whereas I have got to a point where whatever I tweet, there'll be someone in the replies going, oh, this is supposed to be funny, is it? This is, this is your idea of humour, is it? Like, oh, sh- oh, shit. I was just talking about how I used to shit myself loads as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that it was going to upset someone, but. If that was the only joke, maybe he had a point. I'm assuming it wasn't. <laughs> it's like the anger, the anger. But yeah, it's, it's I, I sort of got off the uh, class thing there, but there, there definitely is, is still a class system. in. But I think that's system. right. Yeah. You know, you're right. I'm, I mean, I have friends, of course, like with, with Jane Sharp. I don't know if Jane Sharp is or not, but... Um, mm, uh, yeah, she's amazing. She she and you, I see both of you, and a lot of the the women personalities mm-hmm. on social, I see you guys getting like just unbelievable blowback all the time. And it's always from these <laughs> dudes. And it's like, like, just like, what's the, I, ne- I can never figure out as a guy, I can never figure out exactly what their intention is. Is their intention that you will somehow at, at some point break and go, you know what, baby, you're right. DM me your number. Let's get together. Is that it? I think it might. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I always end up replying. If I do reply to them, I always end up replying stuff like, um, you know, stop flirting with me. And like, <laughs> someone's got a mad crush on old Suze. And they, they hate it. They hate it. And I don't honestly believe it. I'm not sitting there going, haha, they're pulling the old pigtails because they fancy me because they're not. They're, they're horrible. But they, they hate that the most. They hate to be accused of like, they hate to think that you think that they find you attractive because that means that I still have some level of esteem and that's the last thing they want. 
<laughs> but I never yeah. understood it. I remember, you know, one time, like guys are idiots. First of all, let's just let's just <laughs> like not not just see what they get up to. <laughs> yeah, not just straight guys, but mostly just straight guys, and mostly just straight white guys are idiots. This is just an easy a conclusion for me to to draw. Being a straight white guy, that we're, <laughs> a lot of us are idiots. And I remember being in this uh, bar, and I was uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and her friend who she worked with. And uh, we walked, it was like a, like a, like a mm, small town, basically. And we walked into this bar and we walked past this table full of uh, guys roughly our age, uh, like early 20s. And, or yeah, I guess they're like early 20s. And um, they, as we walked by, they meowed at <laughs> my girlfriend and her workmate. <laughs> like, went, like as they walked wow. by, they were like, meow, like cats. meow, like cats. And I thought, does that work? Like, is that something I've never learned? <laughs> I, it, it would make you look. Like, if that happened to me, I would go, that guy's meowing like a cat. It would, <laughs> I would look over. Yeah. Oh, he meowed. <laughs> but I mean, that doesn't work, does it? There's never been, like, as a woman, you've never talked to friends who are other who were women and went, you know what? This guy meowed. You know how we got together? He mm. meowed at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was his. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. The, the second part of that is it would make me look and then I'd go, oh, that guy was meowing. That's weird. And then I'd keep walking. So Then yeah. you would probably pick up your pace. You'd probably speed up, right? You'd be like, let's take, yeah, let's take the table at the other side guys. of the room. Maybe we go somewhere else for a drink. We don't have to stay here. Yeah. Pe- <laughs> people are mimicking animals. Noise. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's weird. It must be very difficult. Uh, <laughs> the double whammy being a woman and being a Brit. Um, there is kind of a like. Do you get a lot of support from your your fellow Brits as far as like? Does do you ever get people going like you're too, like the too tall poppy thing? Like the uh-huh. that idea where they're saying you know like no you shouldn't you shouldn't try too hard. I remember like even working for me when I worked at Virgin, and I remember walking. Uh, I was on a Sunday and we were walking to a, a pool hall, like a billiard hall with my manager. And he said, we shouldn't really be seen talking to each other. And I was like, what? Why? This seems really weird, doesn't it? Like, but there's like that whole attitude of like, you can't eat. So do you, do you get any of that at all from like, not, not necessarily being a woman, but just in general, like, do you get a lot of like pushback on that? What? Just, uh, I shouldn't be seen talking to a pool hall guy. <laughs> well, that. Obviously, sorry, I didn't follow the logic there. <laughs> so there was, there was a, that's, I'll do a lot of meandering uh, when I'm talking, um, but it's it's some people find it quaint. Uh, I really I switched over to that after meowing. I used to meow at people and nothing worked. <laughs> now I do. Now I meander. Um, and <laughs> no, what I mean is, like, apart yeah. from being a woman and and the and we can talk more about the the abuse online that women get in general, which I think is horrendous. But do you find, uh, like, when you look at people like uh, uh, Blair Erskine or something on Twitter, mm. who's a, an American uh, comedian, and she's very funny and stuff, she also gets abuse from from guys because of the whole woman thing, which is which is mm-hmm. horrendous that she has to go through it. Um, but she doesn't get a lot of uh, that I see. She doesn't get a lot of uh, you know. Like the American, the whole American shtick is like, you go, you in, go for the individual and you should succeed and pull yourself up. Is there any of that sort of sentiment that comes to you being in Britain where the people are like, you know, who do you think you are? Why, why do you think you're funnier than me? That type of thing? Or is it just all tied to being oh. a woman? Yeah. Um, there, 
there's if it if something goes like very viral, like if I do a gag, we have a show over here which you might have might be aware of called You've Been Framed. Mm-hmm. And You've Been Framed has been around since the 80s and people send in funny home video clips and if they show it on You've Been Framed, you get £250. Not bad. And that number has stayed the same for over 30 years. It's still right. £250 now. It was £250 when I used to watch You've Been Framed in like 1992. Um, so I did a tweet like, oh, the average house price was... 60 grand in 1989 and now it's 270 grand yeah you've been and that's a rate, rate of inflation of 500 percent, which isn't even true um <laughs> where, uh, but you've been you didn't check your math the price the joke? yeah no the, the it is like five times but that's not what inflation yeah, yeah. is whatever uh and then the you've been friends have been paying 250 pounds in 1989 still pays 250 pounds now rate of inflation is zero percent and they wonder why young people can't get on the property ladder. It's disgusting. <laughs> so that was the tweet. I didn't expect it to go berserk, but it did. It was on right. like thousands and thousands of retweets, which meant a uh, um, bunch of replies from people either taking it super seriously, which is annoying in itself, going, uh, I, I think you'll find that uh, it's much easier to send in a clip now because you can just email <laughs> one. So it's no wonder they're not paying more than two. So I was like, oh, fuck's sake, man. But a lot of replies from people going, this person clearly thinks they're very funny. I can't understand why this has even got three retweets, let alone 8,000. It's like, oh, God, who gives a shit what you think? <laughs> you see, and you go, wow, you took the time to put fill some server space with your tweet going, this tweet is meant to be funny, and it isn't. And some people think it's funny. It's amazing. It really amazes me because it would never go through my head to see something that's gone really viral and tweet underneath it why is this so popular it's not funny at all <laughs> <laughs> well i find we, we have a conversation because i mean you know myself my, essentially our whole family's been creating content on social media since 2013 mm-hmm. much to some of their chagrins um but uh, yeah. uh we talk often about a couple of things one is why people bother to waste the time to tell you they don't like something when they can just scroll past it. They don't have to stop yes. and express this to yeah. you. It does not matter. I have to, like, I hate comments. I, I, and I, I, I can't articulate this properly yet. But, and I often get asked about it and people say, you know, well, how do you deal with, you know, with mean comments and hate comments and stuff? And it's like, well, I just generally don't like comments. I don't need to know what you think about mm-hmm. my content. If you, like nice comments mm-hmm. are lovely. They're great. Nice comments are nice. Yeah. And that's great. However, as a creator and someone who's putting themselves out there, you go through like six nice comments and the seventh one's like a gut punch. You like make fun of your size of your yes. head or something. And you're like, oh, that's my sore spot. <laughs> I, that, my head's so huge. And I, I was hoping no one would notice. I tried to angle the camera up instead. And it's, oh my God. And you feel terrible. And But I never understand. It's like, why, like, why are people doing that? Do you put any weight into the comments at all? Like, do you, do you care about comments? Uh, I, I think I care, I wouldn't say like, I don't care at all, but I think I care a lot less than some of my colleagues. Um, I don't really, like, I'm, I'm ready for them to say heinous things. There's always going to be some, if a video does well, there's always going to be some guy going, this, this bitch is gross. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, that's going to happen anyway. So you might as well put the content out there. 
Like if I overthink what I'm putting out there, it won't be funny anyway. So yeah, exactly. You can't overthink it. Do you mm. find uh, live performance is less risky for that kind of comment or that kind of thing compared to online? Oh yeah, no one's no one is going to come up to you after during or after a comedy gig and say, "Hey, I th- I don't find you sexually attractive." <laughs> That's just a, that would be such a weird thing for someone to do at a comedy gig. Hi, I just wanted to say. Uh, I wouldn't, and <laughs> it's never happened. Just to say, I wouldn't. Um, I've thought this over while you were on stage and uh, ran through a couple <laughs> scenarios. I don't see it happening, baby. Sorry. I've, it's, yeah, <laughs> and I'll go, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah, but uh, and people won't come up to you and say you're not funny after a gig. However, yeah. they might come up to the other comics and tell them they're funny and then just walk off, which has happened to me. Um, <laughs> oh, so, <man. laughs> which is worse. I'd, then I'd rather get a Twitter comment from someone directly saying like, I did not find this funny. And then I can go, <laughs> didn't you? And then I've forgotten the next day that they ever sent that. Whereas I'll remember that man who did that forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> We've tapped into something. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think the like for comments, it's just very, uh, like I said, it's like it's the nice comments are nice to me, but they unless they offer something constructive. And very in, in the nine years I've been creating content, I've only had one person send me an actual constructive criticism where he said uh, he said like, hey, listen, you're backing music. It's a decent volume, but it's peaking at 200 kilohertz. You know what? You want to EQ that down? And I was like, because that's where your voice is. And I was like, oh. And I looked at it and I was like, that's oh my so God, useful. He's right. And so I thanked him. I was like, thanks, <laughs> that's man. That's so amazing. Useful. That's fantastic. But I think genuine it's genuine and constructive. Exactly. And it never happens. Like it's it's like I said, once <laughs> in nine years it's happened where it's actually been constructive. The rest of it's been, I love this. Blah, blah, blah. And again, I like those comments. It's really, really nice. However, it's always nice to hear to read. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But then it's it's a gut punch when you go in and you go, oh, I tried so hard and someone says something stupid and you know you're not supposed to care about it. You know you're not supposed to care what they think. But at the same time as a creator, it's like you've kind of put yourself out there and you're like, uh, that's, it. that's awful. That's it. <laughs> I have uh, another thing about comments that we talk about here in the house is that uh, is the the idiocy required uh, or abandonment of logic required to uh, to comment on a post that's got like a gabillion retweets, likes, whatever. And some comment, like you mentioned, some comment that people are just throwing it out there. Like it's been, it's already been approved by like thousands and thousands of people, yes, but they would yeah, want to dissent. It is. It, that's so true. This is, guy, mate, this has already been approved and you're annoyed. It's like um, if a mortgage application's gone through and then someone arrives and goes, why has that been approved? It shouldn't have been. And there's just loads of people who've gone, no, no, we approved it. No, that shouldn't have, they shouldn't own a house. They, no, but they paid for it and... They shouldn't own that house. Right? <laughs> That's essentially what they're saying. Like, so, okay, well, you, thanks for stopping by. I, you know, one of the things you've done really, really well, I think, in in the course of the pandemic, is, uh, uh, I mean, like certainly for for me, I was already working from home. I was already creating content from home and all that kind of stuff, and and just putting it out there. So when the pandemic hit. It obviously had, it was terrible and it had an effect on uh, on us here at the, as a family, but mm. we didn't go anywhere. We couldn't go to, we did a lot of traveling prior to the pandemic and we don't do any traveling to do work, right. like mean traveling for work, um, to go film places and stuff like that. Um, but in general, it didn't really affect me that much. But one of the things that I, I remember vividly was when the pandemic kind of hit and I, I remember you like, you know, saying, well, this is, I've, I've been screwed over. I've like, I've lost like months and months of work. Like it's just gone. Yeah. And uh, you, you kind of 
gracefully took advantage of the tech and started using and created a Twitch account and and did all that kind of stuff. And it's amazing. And I think it, you know, initially it's obviously not the same experience to watch a live performer on a video stream. However, you know, the all if the alternative is not watching, uh, plus also it just shows some in, ingenuity, I think, you know, and I think it's cool. I think you've done a really great job with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one. Like I'd never I I thought about getting on Twitch for a while. In about mm-hmm. 2018, I considered it playing old video games on Twitch. Um and I downloaded the software you need to do that with. It's called OBS, which is free mm-hmm. and it I think it stands for Open Broadcasting Software. And um at first glance, it looks insane. It looks like brain surgery trying to operate it <laughs> and i sort of spent about 15 minutes with it and went i just went there's no way i'll ever be able to do this and then i just gave up and i should have started then because right. um uh, march last year literally over the over a period of about three days i lost thousands of pounds worth of work yeah. just gigs cancelled cancelled yeah. cancelled and it happened to all the comics in yep. the industry and all the musicians and blah 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 um so then i went right i better get back online um and I ended up on Twitch for a variety of reasons, but I opened up OBS again and I watched a few tutorials and you can use it. I spent 120 quid on a Blue Yeti mic. It's a mm-hmm. pretty base level, very, very user-friendly mic. Um, I've got a couple of LED panel lights. I learned how to use a green screen, which I've got behind me now. Yeah. Um, it's It's all pretty doable and I didn't need to... Uh, you know, I already had a computer and I already, which already has a camera in it. So it's, it's doable. You don't need to spend a million pounds. And if you have your own space, which I do, it's called the, my bedroom in my mum's house. <laughs> so I'm just on one wall, got the green screen and yeah. a computer on the desk. And yeah, it's like, it's all totally doable. Um, and I've, really enjoyed it and I found what I found with and I had to do a lot of gigs on Zoom as well they moved a lot of stand-up gigs over to Zoom um I found the best thing you could do is use the fact that you're online and use the fact that you're use the fact you're on Zoom use the fact that there's no audience there rather than try and recreate a live gig in those circumstances because if you do that it'll always just be like a poor imitation of live comedy um but if you use the fact that you with zoom you can put things behind you uh on a green screen you can have things behind you there is no audience interrupting you so you can just go with what's in the chat um if you use all those things rather than try and work against those things then you'll have a better time online so the stuff i do on twitch a lot of it is completely different to anything i do in a live environment. Like I'd never dress up as Princess Diana and talk to a chat box for two hours <laughs> on a live stage. <laughs> they wouldn't allow it. <laughs> um, I, you know, but I mean, to full, full credit to you though, because there's a lot of performers and comedians and, and musicians and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they just didn't, like they just decided, oh, well, that's it. And and they looked at, you know, they opened yeah. up their OBS and they're like, oh, it's too hard. <laughs> that's one of the things that's, I think, that's really, you know, uh, impressive about what you've done. And there's, and there's others out there that have done similar as well. But I mean, that notion yeah. of when you create content on social media, this is me now telling people how hard my job is. Mm-hmm. Um, when you create content on social media, you are the lighting guy, you're the audio guy, you're the camera guy, yes. you're the script writer, you're the editor, you're the producer, mm-hmm. you're the talent, and you're doing all that kind of stuff. 
and it is it's 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 totally its own thing. Like it's and and it's not easy yeah. to switch over. But you seem to have done it really really well. I mean, what that makes it sound like I doubted you. Sorry. I mean, you have done it really really well. <laughs> so as a shock to oh, all of us, thank you. That's really <laughs> Suze, We were all surprised. We've all been talking about it in the WhatsApp group, but we're really chuffed. <laughs> It was yeah. It was it's a it, that's very kind, but yeah, it's a it's a weird one. And when I first started on Twitch, I didn't have all this equipment. I had my phone in a holder mm-hmm. and I pressed go live on it, and I wasn't using OBS. And I went hi, so just request songs and I'll sing songs. And I had backing tracks on a little playing through a uh you know Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, and then gradually I just started. Adding more things and doing different live streams, and then I have played old video games on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think it's great. I think that's one of the things you realize, um, and especially over the course of the pandemic. You know, I've been saying that prior to the pandemic and the lockdowns and stuff, um, people would take their phones and social media out into the world, and then when the pandemic hit, it was like, well, their phones became the world. That's how they were experiencing the world was mm. through their phones, and mm-hmm. uh, you quickly realized that. You know, you quickly realize the people that you want to spend your time with, and and that goes right down to your entertainment as well. So it's, I think you're right. You know, the starting with just your phone and starting with like a Bluetooth speaker for your backing tracks or whatever, that's kind of all you needed to start with. And the idea is you want to get better at it, and make yeah. it a better product. But I mean, people are tuning in because of you. Like they're tuning, they're like they're tuning in, thinking like I like oh. this person. You know what I mean? Like they, I think that's the the draw. Oh, that's nice. Well, some some of them didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to Still name them the right now. From Reddit, <laughs> you get that. Have you seen those hate raids from Reddit? They're amazing. No, no. They like, they, they organize themselves. Yeah, they get organized on Reddit or 4chan, and uh, like 200 of of them at once will go into your chat on Twitch and write. Oh, I'm shitting. I'm coming. God. <laughs> and they were 200 of them in a row. And then, and everyone, and I see it and I go, oh, there's been a hate raid. Um, but uh, like, unfortunately, all, all the people watching me, all my followers all go, oh no, oh God, what are we going to do? And it's the like, panic. it's fine. And the right. mods just ban them. It's for, yeah, everyone, everyone panics. And they, they're like, Sus, Sus, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yes, of course I am. It's a load of weirdos. <laughs> they all, and then it takes about five minutes and they all get banned. But then we all have to joke about the hate raid. But yeah. yeah. It becomes <laughs> a moment. A, that's an interesting part of. Um, See, that's. Of, I, I, I also don't get that. What's interesting is like, you know, back Doesn't in. Doesn't happen to men. Really? No, they tend to target. Uh, yeah, they tend to target women, particularly trans women. Yeah. Who, who are these um, people? Like, it's it's insanity. I don't to me. know. I think a lot of them must be bots, but uh, they it's via Reddit. They all yeah. organize a hate raid. But what a waste of <laughs> They'll ability. do a mass follow as well, which is completely ridiculous. Like they'll all they'll all two hundred new follows in a, a a go, and you go, "Oh, I've got all these new followers," and they're right. like, "Ha ha, we we hate you." They're like, all right, but you've just got banned. So congratulations, I guess. Like, but also my reaction is not what they want. They want me to go, "You're disgusting. You're disgusting. I hate this." And I'm like, "Okay, we're just gonna get rid of the hate raid," and then they're like, "Okay, we we got rid of them. Cool, cool." Right, next song. So they they didn't get what they wanted. <laughs> they want me to be appalled. Right, exactly, and and uh, they want to have yield some sort of power o- over you, or wield some sort of yes. power over you. Um, you know, I, I always when I get asked often, and maybe you get asked as well, like like people's people who have kids, and they'll be like, 
you know, they really want to get into uh, social media and they want to be a YouTube or TikTok or Twitch or whatever. And uh, I always kind of be like, my whole thing is like the internet is the big bad world. Like it's everybody out there. It's not, you can't, it's like being dropped in the middle of any city. There's amazing things, Mm -hmm. fantastic people. And then there's like the worst of the worst out there as well. And it's really hard to, but I have think, I have thought recently the old uh, thing of, hey, you know, the great thing about social media is that everybody has a voice. The worst thing about social media is that everybody has a voice. Do you feel the same way? Yes. Do you think we're letting stupid? <laughs> do you think there should be a, some sort of skill testing question before you hit send on the tweet? Do you think? Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? There are some people I see some of their tweets and I go, like it replies to people, and you go, "How have you made it this far? Right? How did you get this far?" Yes, people who um, just seem monumentally like a stone cold dum dum. I don't <laughs> get it. They and people who. Um, they're raising a talking point that has been debunked a thousand times. Yeah. Probably to them. Yeah. Like they're, I'm trying to think of examples, but I'm thinking of like anti-vaxxers and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, if you just go around calling them stupid, you're not going to help your cause. Like, I'm not calling all of them stupid. I think some of them, they're all, they're all receiving misinformation. There's yeah. the ones who go like, it is untested. You're like, how are you still raising this <laughs> when that's been debunked? Like the FDA has now approved it. Yeah, the vaccine. So you're, you're, but you're literally still spinning that. You're, you're obviously an idiot. They're like, but Suze, if you call them an idiot, <laughs> you can't possibly call them that. I, no, that one, that one is. That's really stupid. They're raising a talking point that has definitely been debunked a thousand times to them. Right. <laughs> is the voice in your head and are the people that comment, do they all have that really posh voice just like you do whenever you, it's the side voice? Yeah, I call them I call them the reasonable center. The, <laughs> the, the, um, I think in America, I, my, I've got a couple of friends in America and they go like, oh, the moderates. And they think they're so decent because they're right in the middle. of like, look, I'm a very decent person just in the reasonable center. The far left and the far right are the same. You're like, beep, beep. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you prefer of all the stuff that you do? What's your favorite thing to do? Mm. Like what what is your favorite thing? Oh my goodness. Um it, the answer would be different every day, I think. Like mm-hmm. uh I really I really love singing good material mm-hmm. to a live audience. Like I love that. Equally I love singing good material to uh a online audience as well. So right. I really like singing good material. That was a, that was a good save just in case this beats. pandemic's not over soon. That was good. No, no, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you online, online audience. Too. <laughs> Tune in. Um, <laughs> but I really, I also like nothing beats writing new material, like writing new stand up, mm-hmm. uh, turning it into a whole thing and then doing it for an audience who, who love it. Um, that's, that's the best when I go like, I had a germ of an idea for a routine and I turned it into 20 minutes in a show right. uh, and then and people liked it. That's that's the best. When did you start doing stand-up? Like what age? How old uh, 2009. Right. God. I was, I just turned 24 and I started doing stand-up. Why? Yeah. Why did you decide to do it? Why did you decide? <laughs> I really wanted to do it uh, from being a kid. Like, I remember I was about 12 
we had um we had some stand up VHSs in the house. Uh, we had some stand up specials on video, and I'd wear the tape out. Like, I loved them, mm-hmm. and I'd learn all their routines verbatim. And I really wanted to have a go, but I didn't even know where to start. And they were advertising in the local paper, um, like a stand up course at the local theatre. Really, it's a cool. week long course. Yeah, and I think it was like sixty pounds. Mm-hmm. I said to my mum, "Can I do this?" And she went, "Yeah, you can." But you have to ring them yourself, and that's your birthday present. Nice. So I must have been—I must have been either about to turn twelve or right. just turned twelve or something like that. Um, and I was like, "Great, I'm going to do it." So I rang them up and uh, said, "Hi, I want to book in for the stand-up course." And they went, "Okay." They very quickly went, "How old are you?" I said, "I'm 12. They went, "Okay, it's 18 and over." <laughs> and I went, "Oh." And they, but there was no other. It wasn't like was now it. today. There's all stand-up courses for kids. Yeah. Yeah. They went. They were like, "Oh, you know, you have to be over 18." So I was like, "Oh." And hung up. Um, and then I, I, yeah, it was kind of. I went to uni and I wanted to do stand-up, but where do you start? And I obviously mm-hmm. wasn't looking that hard because there are open mics. And then I got into drama school. It took me really long time but I just turned 24 and I got into drama school and I mm-hmm. went six months till I go to start this postgrad I better start stand up now and I literally got into drama school within three days had booked on my first um open mic because nothing mattered particularly it's like do do the open mic stand up if it doesn't work you're still going to drama school anyway and right. it had taken me so long to get in somewhere um so I so yeah, so not only did I save my mum sixty pounds, I never had to pay to do stand up <laughs> until I went to Edinburgh. Then you then you really pay, and a lot more than sixty pounds. Um, but yeah, I just started doing open mic, and that was twelve and a half years ago, and it's not stopped. <laughs> wow, that's I mean, it terrifies me. I, I have a number of friends who are stand up uh, comics, and it's uh, often people will say to me, "Well, you should do some stand up," and it just the whole thing absolutely freaks mm. me out. The only thing that's made me think I could okay. m- maybe do it is uh, whenever I see uh, like you know, interviews with Billy Connolly or something, and he's like, "I don't prepare for anything. I don't write anything down." I'm like, "Okay, I can do that. I can not prepare and not write <laughs> things down because I have a terrible memory and I sort of like I'll meander, you know, as you as you know, I meander <laughs> when I talk." <laughs> um, but I'm I'm always impressed with stand-ups because I think it's you know you re- like you're really putting yourself out there when you go up and sing you kind of got the yeah. duration of the tune to kind of just get you through it's like you kind of hang on to that that well, time also people really like the song simply the best so yeah right. yeah <laughs> you go like oh it's simply the best I like that oh she <laughs> sang all of it in tune <laughs> exactly <Great>. yeah so <laughs> it's kind of the job's done for you. <laughs> Are you surprised sometimes at some of the stuff, like the bits that you'll write and then you'll you'll go out and you, you're like, this is going to kill. And then you go out and it doesn't kill. Or conversely, mm. you write something and go, ah, this is a bit weak. And you go out there and it's just absolutely oh, kills. Yeah, usually, I usually just think everything is, uh, I'm I'm lower middle class. I, I think everything I do is bad. So <laughs> I, go out, I go out on stage and I go... Okay, time to do the fucking new stuff. So the worst moment of my career is always the bit just before I'm about to do something new. If it gets a laugh, you go, oh, thank Christ, great. And the next time you do it, it won't be as bad. And then after about five times of doing it, you've got it. It's there. Right. Um. So, yeah, I I think every new thing I write is bad. Uh, right. This, uh, there's this idea that like as long as you find it funny, everyone else will. I'm like, that's not true. Yeah. There's stuff that I think is bad that I find funny, and then I get out of there. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
So even like this, so you don't, you've never had that that moment where you're like, oh, this is, this is gold. This is absolutely gold. And then you get that. Yeah, no, no, there's things like I, I've been doing it long enough now, I guess. And I've, I've done seven solo hours at Edinburgh. And so you get a feel for, okay, I think this is something I can turn into something that will work when I write something new. Yeah. Like, and Twitter's really helpful for that. So if I've done a tweet or a, or a thread of tweets that people have gone like, ah, I relate to this, then I know there's a German of a, a germ of an idea in there for stand up that I can take out there. Yeah. I always find you can't pick your hits. Like uh, that's one thing I've noticed. Uh, I mean, I, I've been involved in music for a long time, and and. Uh, Mm-hmm. And that came with little mini spurts of success, but like minimal success. Um, but I mm. found like creating content, especially comedy, when I switched over to like actually trying to create comedy, first of all, I realized how hard it was to create comedy because it's it's different from just sort of, you know, creating, you think you're funny. And you think, well, this is pretty funny. And it's like, well, that's not really comedy. Comedy <laughs> is like there's a whole structure to it. And there's a whole like, uh, there's a reason people laugh at things. And you have to kind of figure out what mm. that is, and then and then create something around that. Um, but I, I think you know, I found in, in that creating the content that you just can't pick your hits. Like you just can't. The stuff that I think is at least I can't anyway. I look at the stuff sometimes I'm writing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is going to kill. This is going to be amazing. And then I'll I'll put it out there, right. and like it, nothing crickets. It's just like absolutely nothing. And then like some of the stupidest ideas, I'm like, ah, I'm stuck for an idea. And I have this firm belief, and you can you can tell me if you feel the same way. Um, for creative process mm-hmm. and creative ideas, people often ask, like, what's your process? How do you get to that? How do you get to these, you know, these <laughs> ideas? What do you what do you do? And my view is, and I'm trying to find a nice way to say this, and I still haven't found a nice way. Maybe you can help. Uh, is as I feel mm-hmm. like ideas are like uh like bowel movements, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And you can't skip to the next one. You've got to get that uh, one out gotcha, first yeah. before you can go to that. Like it's it's a one it's one pipe, and you've got to, that's all you've got to work with <laughs> in the brain pipe, and then you've just got to yes. get that idea out. And uh, so, yeah. but there's ideas I think are like, oh, this is a terrible idea, and I'll do it, and it'll absolutely be like a huge success. And I'm like, either the audience is super stupid, and, or or I'm a, a, a totally stupid because yeah. I haven't been able to see the the you know the power of this idea. <laughs> Has you had anything like really take off like that? That you? Oh man, the the thing that surprised me the most of everything I've ever done, particularly in lockdown. Um, so it was August last year. I was I can't believe it was only a year ago. Anyway, no, probably July last year. It's just over a year ago. Was sat with friends in a sort of lull between lockdowns that yeah. we were allowed in this country, where you know there's only two hundred people dying a day, so everyone can hang out. <laughs> um, we I was with a couple of friends and we were watching old clips of Liza on chat shows because <laughs> she's hilarious yeah. and I am a uh, I'm an old gay man so I want to watch old <laughs> Liza Minnelli videos with my friends we were watching and my friend Lucy uh, comedian Lucy Frederick who's she's great and she said um she went oh my god she talks like Trump doesn't she she kind of talks like Trump but mm. but really positive and I went oh yeah she does and they're the same age and they're from the same part of New York that makes sense and um I I I then went I should do Trump speeches Liza Minnelli and they my friends both went oh yeah that's really funny and I thought oh, I'll get around to that at some point and the next day he did that interview with uh Jonathan Swan the Australian oh, yes. yeah 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 where Jonathan Swan was like sat there going what are you talking about yeah what are you talking about and 
Trump, but he was the first guy who'd ever done this. And Donald Trump's like, no, look at my charts. Yeah. Look at these charts. <laughs> we're the best. We're the we're the best in. We're big. He went at one point. He went. We're bigger than the world. And um, I went. I'm doing it. I'm just going to record. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to pick out two minutes of it and just do it verbatim as Trump and then edit in yeah. Jonathan Swan. And it took for it. Like if I'd known what a nightmare it was going to be, I'd never have done it. But I had to like find a backdrop that looked yeah. like that bit of the White House, put that behind me and match up all Jonathan Swan. And, he, and Trump kept talking over him. So I had to keep finding clips where he wasn't just talking over him. <laughs> but I recreated sort of two and a half minutes of that interview, totally verbatim with no no like snazzy edits to make him look worse but I was Liza Minnelli and I thought <laughs> this is either gonna like sink without a trace or be the biggest thing ever and I went it'll sink without a trace but Gareth my friend Gareth and my friend Lucy who were there when we came up with the idea will be super impressed that I did it the next day <laughs> and it went crazy yes. like, it was everywhere it was in it was in the LA Times it was in the Chicago Tribune amazing um, it was in uh, the Independent and the Guardian over here. Like, it just went nuts. Um, and I, I never could have predicted that. I was like, either everyone will get what I'm doing or nobody will. And everyone went, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing when you posted that, I remember seeing it. And I, went, I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, like, this is like instant hit. Like, this is exactly perfect. <laughs> like, it was perfect for you and it was perfect for the time. And it was just like, it was really, really, it was, yeah. those, it was like a so on target. It was like, oh, no, this is great. Cause you've taken like yourself, the world you occupy and that sort of, you know, uh, yeah. cabaret singer performer idea and show then tunes, and, show yeah. tunes it, and then smashed it into Donald Trump. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, this is gold. It was it so was, good. Yeah. It was just, a, it was a case of like the zeitgeist kind of, it was almost like, I'm not, and this was totally by accident. It's not me banging my own. Uh, blow my own trumpet but it just the zeitgeist needed something as ridiculous as that to counter trump but the funniest thing about that was trump supporters replying in the comments um under that tweet because so obviously there were a lot of comments underneath going like ah just what i needed liza minnelli doing trump but then there'd be guys <laughs> going like you can attack trump all you like cry more bitch Mate, I said his exact words. Yeah, I said exactly. his exact words. So as Liza you're, you're Minnelli. showing your ass here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Liza Minnelli and you love Donald Trump. So you should love <laughs> exactly. this tribute. This should be fantastic. I'm, bring, I'm bridging us right now. That's it. Uh, I, it's so great because it was, I mean, it was one of the powers of uh, certainly in the past like five years in the States going through the Trump thing where it was all so volatile and it was always so... Like you literally, mm. I would open Twitter every morning like, ah, oh, and I, I had to stop because it used to be like I'd wake up and I would ah, stretch out in bed and like reach over and grab my phone and check Twitter. And I was like, nope, got to stop doing that because this is causing me like heart palpitations to do that. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. too much. And then yeah. uh, one of the great things about, as I was mentioning, like Blair Erskine and Corey Forrester and uh, uh, Brent Hune and uh, yourself and like a whole bunch of other you know comedians online who uh, really just took the wind out of the sails, out of the pomposity and the horrendousness of, of, and the ridiculousness of this sort of weird monarchy sort of style thing that America had going on through the Trump years. And it's like, you guys, oh. you guys gave up the monarchy. You don't need this again. Like, you know, this is a whole yeah. thing. And it was it was really it was really nice to see that sort of comedic effect of it reminded me of uh, uh, you might be too old or too young for this. Um, do you remember when Michael Jackson was at the Brit Awards 
and he did. Oh uh, yeah, and, and then Jarvis Cocker from Pulp. Yeah. yeah, he got up and did the thing, and then I remember Brian Eno took out a full page ad the next day, like commending him for doing it and stuff. But <laughs> yes, I mean, I think yeah. that's. I mean, that's. I love that aspect. History's the, being kind. Yeah, history's yeah. being kind. Jarvis Cocker on that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, what's uh, great about the comedy is that it's, a, it's able to just pinprick that pinprick that kind of stuff. And like really serious issues and mm-hmm. terrifying issues that can come in and it can use its exact words as Liza Minnelli and suddenly it, it's deflated a little bit. It's an amazing power. Well, ever- uh, yeah, which is kind of, a, it was a, a to- total accident, but um, I'd like to thank my writer, Donald Trump. For that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever feel like a responsibility to use like your your platform and comedy and talent to sort of like do? Because I get asked that a question a lot as well. Like, I, I also get really weird emails of people who like they'll CC me on an email or or tweet something with like it's me, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, and uh, and like Joe Biden, and it's like it's those are the three people they felt this issue should go to, and it's like <laughs> people, I'm an idiot, who, I'm a middle aged man who makes videos in the suburbs. <laughs> what? But what do you, do you want me to do about this? Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. Uh, but do you ever feel like compelled to do something? Like, do you ever feel like, oh, I should really take a pinprick to this? Uh, not nothing as grand as that, but I do feel like um, uh, it's a weird one. Like people get annoyed about it. Um, they're like, you know, they do the whole stick to comedy thing, but. <laughs> I've, I really, really do hate social injustice. <laughs> like, it's not just a bit. I really, yeah. like, I feel very passionate about it. And I've, I've, um, campaigned for, uh, left wing parties in right. previous elections and got out there on the doorstep at like a, like a regular Joe. Like, um, it's not just be, you know, I am, I am not a celebrity. So it's not a case of like, I'm up on a stage going vote labor, but I've, I've, I really believe in it. So, um, I, it's not even a case of I see myself as I'm using my platform for good. Like, no, my, my platform is me. Like, my Twitter right. account is me. Yeah. So, uh, if something awful is happening and I comment on it, that's not me going, better comment on this. <laughs> um, equally though, I can't comment on every single news story and yeah. get people going, Oh, I can't help but notice you've been silent on this. You're like, I haven't been silent on it. I just haven't tweeted about it. I'm really sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> As a side here, like when you're saying you're going door to door and you're just a regular Joe, but I mean, you kind of aren't. I mean, you, you know, you, you do you get <laughs> oh, no, recognized when you go? Do you get recognized at all? Do people say, hey, it's you oh, for very, Twitter? very, very occasionally. Yeah. It's that stupid Twitter person. Um, I... Every, like super occasionally yeah it depends and it, you know it wouldn't happen outside London um, but I end up on I did Sky News uh, and Sky News is um, probably the second biggest news mm-hmm. network after the BBC yeah. in this country It's obviously, and it's obviously Murdoch owned but it's actually the way the BBC is currently it's further to the left of the BBC uh, less to the right I should say mm-hmm. of the BBC Um but they, it was election night in 2019, uh, and that election was won very conclusively by Johnson, like it was a near landslide. Mm-hmm. It was awful, awful, awful. So I'd been out all day canvassing, and I knew I was on Sky News that night to be the comic relief. No matter what <laughs> happened, I was the comic relief. And I thought to myself, this is probably a good thing to do because, you know, Labour 
pretty much obviously going to lose. I mm. didn't know they'd lose as badly as they did, but Labour are probably going to lose and at least I'll be, you know, I'll be working and right. I can have some fun with the people there. Genuinely one of the worst nights of my life. It was awful because they mm. had, we're like, we've got voices that represent all political positions, which meant they had this 19-year-old, really right-wing um, London girl. Uh, you know, she was a British, she, she wasn't a comedian. She's sort of a, she's basically a, Twitter person <laughs> and she I guess she was who they could find and she was not quiet all night right like she she kept none of her feelings uh, <laughs> on how brilliantly it was all going to herself and neither should she of course but you know it did I'll say this after nine hours it did kind of great and <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like you were how long the, were you there how long was the whole gig oh it was we, like we had to be on at nine nine p.m and then the exit poll comes in at 10 and then you pretty much know what the result's gonna be right right right, and right, then right. I left at six in the morning yeah my so god. I was there um, I was there all night and it was just awful and they go and now we're cut to the our comic relief <laughs> oh how are you doing over there Suze Kemp and I'd be like yeah well we're all going to have to uh, look out for the underprivileged in society because they're going to suffer very much under this government they were like hey how about have this mug and I went yeah yeah should I fill it with food take it down a food bank because they're the kind of people who are going to need this they'd be like <laughs> More from from left wing com comedy funny woman Suze Kemp later. <laughs> oh, Jesus, it was it was awful. It was awful, and then it got to six at a.m. and I was like, "Cool, so am I done?" They were like, "Your car's outside," and they essentially shoved me into it. Um, just awful. The whole the whole night was awful. But obviously, like most of the production team are are not pro Tory, even though right. you know I'm yeah. I'm. I'm very left wing and I'm, I was very pro Corbyn. Yeah. Even if they weren't, they weren't happy that the Tories had won. So yes. everyone was just, the, the mood was horrendous. Um, like there's nothing like seeing that exit poll and then four minutes later seeing Dominic Raab walk in to do a merry little interview. <laughs> I was like, fucking kill me. This is awful. But that day, that day I was, um, door knocking all day for labor, mm -hmm. um, hours and hours of it. All in the rain, it was pissing it down. It was awful because the election was in December. Um, and this guy was like, I know you from somewhere. And, um, I went, uh, I'm a comedian. And he was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, Oh, oh, wow. I bet you're getting loads of material out of this election. I was like, Why do you think that? <laughs> it's all awful. But he said, Um, he said, Are you, he said, Have you got a, do like um comedy about the election i said well actually i'm on sky news tonight which was a huge mistake right because he went you're, you're you're doing sky i said yeah they're gonna you know they'll cut to me and go like any comedy takes on what's happening and he went oh that's amazing do you get paid a lot of money for that and i went <laughs> oh, i said well i don't really talk about fees and that and then he went yeah 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 and then later on he went can i ask what is it is it like 20 grand <laughs> £20,000. Do you want to know how much it was? It's £40. I got paid, you get paid expenses to go on British news. There's like, no, it's not £20,000. Do you think I'd have looked like I'm literally there because I went, this will be better than staying at home. And it wasn't. But like, that's what people outside this industry think. They think they're going on the news. 20 grand. <laughs> so what you're trying to tell me is that you are not going to lend me the thousand pounds that I asked for. 
Ah, shit. No, I did not get 20 grand okay. for, my, right, for being miserable fine. on Sky News. That's fine. So unfortunately, I won't be able to. There is that kind of <laughs> assumption, right, of people sort of, anytime people are on screens, and it doesn't, I think it's transferred now over from, you know, movie screens to TV screens to telephone screens to phone mm. screens, where there's just the assumption that you just, you're loaded, that you have tons of money. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah. The reason yeah. I did that terrible video is because I had to pay the electric bill. That's why I did it. You know, that's, yes. that's, that's a huge part of my motivation. <laughs> like a, I think the the Liza Minnelli video that went the most viral, I don't think, because I, I did a few of them and I think maybe the third or fourth one went the most viral. Um, and you, I'll put like underneath, I'll go, oh, well, this is kicking off. So here's my Ko-Fi link. Yeah. If anyone wants to help out uh, someone who lost all their work, help me out. And, um, There'll be people like, she's raking it in just for making videos and you guys are lapping it up. She's a shill. She's a shill. And I think the most video ever made was like, and this was great, but like uh, the most viral video made £300. Right. Which is right. awesome. Like, yeah, sure. If you'd paid me £300 to make a video, I'd have been like, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. But that's that's the most I ever got. But I think people angry in the comments are thinking like, she's on thousands for making these videos and she doesn't believe her, pol- you know, her politics doesn't align with this. She's doing it for the money. Like, there isn't money in being left wing. The <laughs> money is in being right wing for yeah, pay. That's, that's, less, that's left wing's like whole shtick. Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, if you want to, if you want to make money out of being a political commentator, be right wing. Yeah, because like Shapiro and Stephen Crowder, people like um, Candace Owens, like they grift for yeah. the right. And they make a lot of money doing it. Like I make no money giving my own political beliefs on Twitter. Do you ever wish? You, <laughs> do you ever wish you had no moral compass and you could just take advantage of the the right, like those people do? Do you ever think to yourself, "Oh man, it'd be so great if I didn't oh, care"? It must be nice. <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine if I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, and I could just go. You know, it's so easy as well because they don't have to be funny. No, that bloody um. What's his name? Go Grimbald or whatever he's called. What's who's the guy, the right wing guy on Fox who's got his uh, he's got his own sketch show? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Green Greenwald. What's his name? I can't remember. Um he's obviously really stuck in my head. But te- just the comedy, the sketches they then put on Twitter, they're like, Oh, you can get more of Glenn Greenwald, is that his name? I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, check it out. It's look at this. This is the sort of schedule we're getting, and it's just like a fake CNN <laughs> backdrop yeah. with some people on it going, and they're all just going, "You're racist." Well, you're racist. <laughs> hey, that's racist to say that. And he went, and then it cuts back to him going, <laughs> like, "Oh shit, that was their highlight. They put that out there. They, that's the highlight." And then they put out another clip about three days later, and it was the CNN thing, and they were all doing it but they were like going did you just assume my gender hey wait did you just assume my gender i was like that's the same joke that's the same joke and they've put that out there as the highlight to but see that's the thing I, I just wish i was i had no moral compass so i could just get in on that action because you can see me like oh man it'd be like this is oh, how stupid people are they're lapping imagine. this up you know you, you and i would yeah, be, we'd like, be so but, rich and what they accuse they they accuse them because we've got our own versions of that here and they do do well and um they say like the problem with the left is they go to the comedy nights and they've got their safe space comedy nights which do exist they like sure there's uh there's a night called quantum leopard Mm. which run by a great guy called james ross um and he won't put on he's got like a code of conduct Mm -hmm. so it's a safe space so 
I think it's something like if people on the front row, you can talk to them, but if they're not, then don't talk to them in the audience. Right. Um, no rape jokes, no racist jokes, um, mm-hmm. no homophobic jokes. And he just goes, oh, you arrive. And he goes, oh, here are the rules. It takes about 30 seconds. He's like, cool, yeah? And you go, yeah. I was like, I don't have any of those jokes in my set anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, I go on stage and I d- do stuff about fucking hymns I sang at school and yeah. how... Um, I'm, uh, my heritage is Jewish, but I wanted to fuck Jesus because the hymns were so good. <laughs> like that's my stand up, and the and and everyone went ah ha ha. And the but these right wing commentators, they go these knights, these safe space knights, they are just left wing comedians going up on stage making left wing statements, and everyone claps and agrees with them. It's like, well, that's not the night. I've done that night several times, and it's just a comedy night. It's just a comedy. Well, there's like this weird, as- this like weird assumption. Uh, you know, I have this uh, uh, very much a, like a, a business side. I've been referring to like vaccine passports recently, and uh, here in Canada. Mm. And uh, my view, I, I think I tweeted it a little while ago as like, you know, this, with a story about vaccine passports coming into play in Canada and various provinces and stuff. And saying how you know, uh, even though I'm, I've, people often assume that I'm like this lefty commie, I, I, my capitalist heart really appreciates the fact that the market's just kind of taking over with this, and the market has decided, nope, doesn't matter if you're right wing, you're going to have to get a vaccine passport because we all want to get out of this this thing. And obviously, mm-hmm. there's there's nuances to yeah. that, but whatever. And but there's this weird assumption, though, I think that people have, and I think largely it happens both left and right sides, but largely on the right side. They assume like the, the the people that are on the left are are like somehow secretly coordinated mm-hmm. and somehow secretly you know organizing and having meetings. I remember saying to someone, "It's like if there was a club for the left, I would be part of that club and I'd be going to those meetings. I am like one sandwich away from communist and gay, <laughs> and that's you know I would be at the meeting. There is no club. There is no meeting. Yeah. It's just sort of common sense. No, is, yeah, yeah. This is it. And and the the annoying thing is. The right, um, there's, there's evidence of like, we've got the, the, not that this is necessarily a solely right wing thing, but it seems to be going that way. The gender critical movement. I mean, I'm proud to live on turf island where <laughs> I've got the, we've got the highest concentration of transphobes per capita here right. in the UK. But you, there's the gender critical movement, the GC movement, and they literally, have been caught mobilizing on Twitter going, make sure you tweet from all your accounts at this time, hashtag I stand with some transphobic weirdo who's been sat from their job, probably for harassing a trans woman who worked there and was just trying to do their job. So they're like, make sure we tweet that at this time. And they got caught because someone on Twitter said, and remember some stupid GC person went, <laughs> and remember everyone, we've organized this at 11 a.m. We're going to all tweet the hashtag, blah. And then underneath, they're like, you weren't going to say on Twitter because sometimes these things fail. You know this. So, and then they all crow about it. Like, you fucking morons. And yet they say like, oh, the trans rights activists, they all mobilize. Like, you guys literally do. And you yeah. say tweet it from all your accounts because we all know you've got bunch of sock puppet accounts oh, sometimes int- you forget to log out of them and you tweet from the wrong one and to what end like so like what are their concerns like what are their worries yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me at all it's oh like, yeah they've got they've got some uh yeah it, you know as 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 a as a white middle-aged suburban dude i feel like that's the one thing i have <laughs> as a responsibility is to like reaffirm reaffirm and reinforce the idea it's like 
yeah, it, it has no bearing on me whatsoever. It's fine. Don't worry about it. No one's yeah. going to come and make me change my yeah. life. It's okay. It's fine. You'll be, mm. you'll be all right. Yeah. It's bizarre. I have two Similarly, more questions. I, 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 oh, go for it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to slag off transplants. <laughs> <laughs> We could change the name of the podcast. Listen, I can do that like that. It's easy. Um, uh, I have two more questions for you, and then I, and I, I'll stop eating up your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it. thank you. Um, the question is, uh, do you have, I've been asking people for a really great tip that they have. So it can be, it doesn't have to do with anything. Oh. It can be anything. Like yesterday, uh, I had a, a friend on Richard Krauss, who's a film critic for the National Network here in Canada, and um and his uh, tip, really great tip, was if you're squeezing, uh, you want to get lime juice out for a cocktail, and you have one of those those clam sort of you know juicer things that you press down. You put the you cut the lime in half and stick it down and, and squish it down. He said, cut the top little uh, centimeter of the lime off as well as the bottom part and squish it down. You get twice as much juice out of it. See, that's that good. is an excellent tip. Right? Exactly. Ooh. So now yours doesn't. I don't. Yeah. You, you don't have to be that impressive. But just any, that kind of thing. It could be about anything. <laughs> I'm reminded of my friend um, Bilal Zafar, who has smashed lockdown like nobody else. On he's he's uh, become a Twitch hero. But anyway, he he was like, he said, "I got a tip for you, Suze. No starter, two mains." <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid tip. <laughs> it's a good tip. Yeah, it's a good tip. A- um, oh God, let me think. Okay. All right. I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty bad with advice. I'm kind of just. I'm more like just, just like be left wing and that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you, <laughs> no, because all my tips are kind of like. Have you seen Mad Men? Watch that. It's good. That's a um, fine tip. Isn't, they don't all have to be profound. That's t- it's a pretty good tip. That's a good tip. Oh, okay. This is more like this isn't so much practical advice. This is like a like a tangible bit mm-hmm. of advice. This is just a practical thing for anyone who's worrying about something that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything everything you ever worry about always turns out exactly how it was always going to. So Ooh. if you're prepared, if you've prepared for something that's coming up, be that a wedding or a dinner or a show or whatever, or an interview, you know, um, if you're prepared for it, you can worry about every scenario, but it's not going to change the outcome of it. So there, that's my advice. I like it. That was good. I, I like that a lot. That's very good. <laughs> Here's my next question. My next question is this. Um, you know, you've often heard the the uh, thing of if you go back to your you know 16-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? That type of thing. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> what I am interested in is what advice would you give yourself a year ago? Just a year ago. So... A year ago. It doesn't have to be pandemic related um, by any means. For example, another uh, guest on the on the show here was Brent Butt, who's a comedian and a, and a writer and a very successful show called Corner Gas. And he uh, his advice to himself a year ago was to just go ahead and buy the typewriter, which he had only just actually bought about a month ago. And he mm. realized how happy it has made him. And he's like, it's 300 Ah. bucks. Why wouldn't I just buy? I should have bought this a year ago because I wanted it a year ago and I just kept putting it off. So that's the kind of thing. What would you tell yourself a year ago? A year ago, uh, just buy a bag of crushed ice. (laughs) You you won't, (laughs) because 
then it's just always there in the freezer. And if the ice cube trays aren't full, don't worry, you've got the bag of crushed ice. And then you just reach in with your hand, pull out a handful of it. <laughs> and I only got, I started getting crushed ice about three months ago, great big bags of the stuff. Yeah. And it was like, this is fucking great. I'm not going to have to crush any ice cubes or anything to make my cocktails. <laughs> Crushed ice in a bag. This is good. Old me, young me. <laughs> you would appear out of the ether somewhere in front of you and say, don't worry, don't panic, it's me, it's you from the future. Hey, psst. And I'm pointing at a bag of crushed ice. Like, and I go, oh, it's me, I look exactly the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> That's great. Those are both fantastic answers. See, that was really great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for, for doing this. I greatly appreciate it again. Oh, thank you. You're one of my favorite people to watch. Uh, and it's been kind of exciting. I'm kind of a, uh, having come into this game as a 43 year old dude with very little prospects of anything and very, and even less money. Um, I'm very supportive and, I, and I'm very like, I get, ex I get kind of cheerleaderish oh. about, uh, watching people on the come up. And I feel like you've been doing this for a long time. You're obviously like a, a you know, a, a established professional. Um, but I also feel like yeah. you're on the verge of like, people are going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you got her on the podcast. And I'll be like, yeah, that's right. I was there. Oh, was thank there. you. That's so kind. I, I hope I don't surprise you there. <laughs> <laughs> got her on the podcast. I don't know who she is. <laughs> the reasonable center. Like, here she is, the bully. <laughs> well, thanks again for your time. Cheers. Thank you for having me. <laughs> the Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. Don't get too excited because there's no actual club to join. It's just a weird name. I don't know why they chose that name, but they did, and they're called Club Coffee. The good news is they make delicious compostable coffee pods. You can find it retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. Oh, and they're Canadian too, eh? I don't know what it is, but I never feel cool enough to talk to people from Britain. Specifically England. I don't know why. I think, well, I mean, I grew up in a Scottish family, so that's probably why I feel more comfortable around Scottish accents. But uh, English accents, I always feel like, ah, uh, I feel like a... A, you know, a country bumpkin compared to that. But man, what a great conversation with Suze. She's just so fantastic and phenomenally talented. And uh, she's definitely going to be one of those people where you're going to listen to this podcast. And then in a little bit, you're going to be like, oh my God, I think I listened to a podcast with her on it. I shouldn't say like, that makes it sound like you're going to forget this podcast. You'd be like, oh yeah, it would be like this. It'll be like this. Oh wow, I can't believe I listened to that podcast. Uh, I know, that's wrong again. Be like, no, oh, oh wow, uh, Suze, she's a superstar now. She was on Brittle Star's Really Great Podcast. That makes sense. That all adds up because Brittle Star's Really Great Podcast is really great. That's kind of what I'm hoping you're going to think. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and uh, take care of yourself. Stay well, you know, be kind to yourself. And I hope to see you next episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>